Hey, welcome to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, the podcast that helps you get to know ourselves from the inside out. Hosted by Trey Fitzgerald, produced by Ryan Hale. Today we've got a big show for you. We head out to Rio Tinto Stadium to catch up with Rob Zarcos, RSL Executive Vice President, to get some insight into what he sees coming up for RSL in the next phase of the MLS season, which uh, which starts this Friday with RSL hosting Vancouver at Rio Tinto Stadium, coming back from the international break. I don't usually get behind the mic, so let me take this opportunity to say thank you to all of our listeners, everybody who's been downloading, sharing, um, I don't know, all the rating, review, and stuff that everybody's been doing. Uh, we see it, and we love the, you know, we love the validation. I can't lie. Um, you know, sometimes making a podcast is like yelling into the void. You never know who's uh, who's out there. You guys know what I'm talking about. Everyone, you guys all have podcasts. So anyway, but yeah, thanks so much. It's uh, it's good to get support from this uh, this community. I, I love being part of the RSL fan community. Um, and I felt that support and met so many good people. And uh, yeah, let's keep making good stuff. How about that? Thanks to Adam Sessions and our sponsor today, uh, One Wire Fiber. You know, this show literally couldn't be made without the help from from our sponsors. And, uh, you know, it's big. I mean, it's not easy to make this kind of content. It's a little bit more, there's a little bit more to it than just setting a microphone up in front of people who like to hear their own voice. With the support of uh, sponsors like One Wire Fiber, we've been able to keep the lights on over here. And that's, uh, and that's something we're extremely grateful. Thanks again, Adam. If you want to learn more about what One Wire Fiber does, um, we'll have some more information for that coming up in this episode. If you want to support this show, just go ahead and get in contact with us. You can find us on social media at Claret Cobalt. Those are the handles we got on Twitter and Instagram. Trey likes good emails. He's at rsltrey at gmail.com. But yeah, if you want to help us out, work with us, just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So today's episode, Rob Zarcos, this is his second time joining us on the show. He was actually the first guest. We're starting to hit that point where we're going to start getting some updates from uh, some of our, you know, insiders at the club. Rob's executive vice president. And then that's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal that he's sitting down with us twice. And I think as a fan of this club, you know, I really respond to the transparency that I see coming from these guys. And you know, I wish I was in on all the calls and I knew all the inside and, and I wish I, what was going on, you know, all the weird little things that, that we don't get to know about if we're not inside those rooms, but they got to keep some things under wraps. They got to keep some things, you know, away from the prying eyes of us weirdos that are, you know, eating up every little bit of our self content we can get. But Rob's always been very transparent. He's always been very open and very willing to like, let you know what's going on. I think he's proud of what happens in the front office. And I think he wants to share that. And I think you can hear that today. He's going to tell us a lot about things that are going on. Um, tells us a little bit about Rubio or how that kind of came together. Uh, Bobby Wood, you know, things that are going on with uh, monarchs, things that are going on with Nick Romano. I mean, he tells us all this. Stuff. I mean, we're going to, you're going to get a lot of insight on what's going on with the club right now. It's, it's a, uh, it's definitely worth listening. Um, you know, and I've always respected Rob for what he's, you know, he's always treated me with a lot of respect. And as someone who would walk past him in the hallways occasionally, I know he doesn't really know too He probably doesn't remember too much about these situations, but, but he would take some time to tell me what was going on. And especially people in our department, the, the digital media department, he would make sure that he, that we knew what was going on. So we could better tell that story to everybody else. You know, that's important to me. So, you know, you got to respect what's happening here. Um, this has been a transfer window where I think we've seen some things happen that we have been waiting to see happen for years. And uh, I'm really excited about what this team's going to look like coming out for this next part of the season. Well, that's plenty from me. Let's uh, let's throw it out to Rob and Trey out overlooking the field at Rio Tinto Stadium. 
If you listen closely, you might be able to hear Dan Farns and crew out there getting the pitch ready for last week's men's national team game. That's when we recorded this. You're listening to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, and uh, stay with us. We'll be right back after a short break. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt presented by OneWireFiber.com. That's the number one wirefiber.com. The goal at OneWire has always been a simple one. Deliver cutting-edge telecommunications products and services better than anyone in the Utah communities we serve to all businesses, regardless of size, affordably. Visit OneWireFiber.com or call 801-990-6200. excited to get back one of our first repeat guests our very first guest from uh late january evp soccer operations for rail salt lake rob zarkos how we doing today rob good man keep me my hype man wherever i go absolutely (laughs) oh you don't need me to hype you you've got the the style the flow um and i just wanted to hang out with you for a few minutes and and kind of catch up on the first half now of uh, 2021, lots of amazing, I think, moving pieces for RSL, things that fan base and the media and everybody else externally probably didn't imagine, you know, four or five months ago. So you got, you know, Bobby Wood arriving in town. You've got Johnny Menendez, new Croatian center back. Uh, Monarch season is in, in full snap. Um there's rumors about the MLS Next program coming out. Um, we've got friendlies coming to Rio Tinto Stadium. It just seems like emerging from COVID and maybe emerging from some other uncertainties that it's uh, it's 100 miles an hour back at RSL. Yeah, look, I mean, you you were here before. It's always been 100 miles an hour, but uh, you know, it's it's pretty focused. You know, I, I got to thank John Kimball for that. Just coming in and. You know, a lot of people were were pretty down after last year, and just getting everybody fired back up. And you know, what can we do? Like, let's let's use our imaginations and things outside of the box. And um, you know, on the soccer side, we've just been running like crazy, identifying what we need. I mean, we added Kurt Schmidt, who's right. been an awesome addition, very analytical, which you know balances us out very well. We added Luke, who's got a great eye because he's come through. You know, college scene, the USL, uh, and then up through the MLS. So, you know, just the little pieces we've added. I think we've got a great group upstairs. Um, you know, now is you know we're watching the coaches, seeing what we're doing. We're happy with the first team. You know, there's a couple drop points that that we need to grab onto coming out of this break. You know, the West is not easy anymore. Right. There is no easy game. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I was in the East. To be fair, this year. Mm. Um, but I think we're building towards where we need to go. And I think these pieces are going to really help that out. Um, so, yeah, you know, Academy's back. They're on, a, they're on their break, but they really started picking up with MLS next towards the end, last part of the, the season. We'll come back full bore getting out of COVID. Yep. USL was a little bit of a switch this year. Um, you know, we always want to win championships, but we decided to start really betting on our players, you know, signing 15, 16, 17-year-olds, right. uh, those that we think are ready and getting them games. I mean – if you can keep a kid down there for two years, you can you can get 72 games, uh, you know, up to 72 games, which by the time they're 17, 18, 19 coming in means they're ready to play, right? Now, there's always exceptions to that. Right. But, um, really getting them the grind of playing against 
professionals, you know, in USL, it's 28, 32 year old guys, a lot of guys with European experience sure. or CONCACAF experience and really understanding and learning the game. And Alave is great at the development side and, and recognizing what these kids need and how we're going to go forward. Yeah, let's stay right there for a minute. Alave is somebody I wanted to ask you about because it just seems like every year he makes tremendous strides as a manager. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, I love Lob. The way he sees the game is great, but he really has, you know, sometimes coaches don't have an objective eye. You know, they start liking the guys. Yeah. Or they see him every day. I, I think he's fantastic at really looking at a game or looking at training and understanding deficiencies or where a guy's really good and understanding how to mold that, you know, into a, a well, well, uh, circled i'll say professional yeah. where they're good on every side of the ball yeah. and you know we're lucky to have him he's fantastic you know he was a fantastic pro he's been a fantastic coach and you know just every year gets better and better and look you know there's gonna be a point where love is gonna have opportunities sure. you know and and uh you know we'll have to see where that comes but uh he's been fantastic and even developing coaches underneath him and you know cody now who works with him is now the elite talent director which is pulling the younger kids out of every, every group and giving special training to them right uh, those kids that we think are have that spark are ready to go and that's feeding in then to the monarchs which feeds into the first team so the system right now and, and what we've done this year i think is working very well yeah it seems like the pyramid is as not only solid because i feel like it's always been pretty solid but uh the movement in each direction is as cohesive as it's ever been. Agreed. And, you know, to be fair. And some of that's just time, right? It's time. I mean, yeah. we've been doing it now for, for since 15. And, you know, it was trying to figure out exactly how the Monarchs are built and how they work and, and getting all the buy-in and doing all that. But this feels like the first year that it's cohesive top to bottom. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Kurt and Luke. We were fortunate enough to have Luke here. I look forward to having Kurt on, on the show, on the pod here soon. Um, obviously Matt Taylor is a guy that, um, you may know this. We talked to him early on in the Austria project about, that. uh, about coming over because of his experience at all levels over in Germany, his, um, you know, ability to speak the language, uh, was huge. So it's great to see, uh, Matt here at RSL. And then, um, you know, Pablo Mastroeni, when you and I first talked, um, on this, on this pod back in January that had just happened, but, um, you know, listening to Pablo every week with Spence Jackets and, uh, seeing him on the broadcast and, and hearing the feedback about his presence around the team and his support of Freddie has just been, uh, outstanding. Yeah. I mean, the, the vibe coming out of both the coaching offices and just at training has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, those guys bring a lot, you know, Matt has legitimacy automatically because of his history in playing in Germany and he knows what it takes uh, to get there, that level. And then Pablo's been there before, right? And, and you know, one of the most positive guys I've ever been around and, and really bringing the group together. And, and really they bought into Fred's vision to what we're going to do. And, and again, you just go down there and the vibe is, you know, guys are disappointed after a result, but that Monday they're back just killing it. I mean, I yeah. I don't know how many poor training sessions we've had. I, I if we have one, I could count it on half my hand. Wow. I mean, it's just everybody's fired up, and you know that's great, and that's going to see you through. I mean, this is a long season, yeah. you know, and and a sample size shouldn't be looked at. It should be look look. You should look at the through the lens of what are we doing? Have we gotten better? Are we attacking? Do we get better week after week? Are we changing things? Are we buying into the systems? And everything I've seen, we are, which is great. Yeah, the optimistic glass half full side, I think, 
from my perspective, is yes, the drop points at home, some of these late draws, whatever, um, are killer. But when you've got a young team that's coming together, new pieces being added, I think the, the optimistic view is that these are lessons that would pay off a little bit later down the road. 100%. Learn how to shut down games, which we're getting to. And <clears throat> defensively, we're getting better. You know, offensively, we're getting better and gelling. And look, you know, I, I get what our role is, is to look kind of long-term. We don't look game to game. You look statistics long-term. But on the other hand, I get it. We've dropped some points. We've lost one game. Yeah. Which is pretty fantastic. Which is, I mean, many fewer than people expected at this juncture. 100%. You know, we went into Minnesota and won. We drew at Dallas, both tough teams. Yeah. Um, so if we can continue to pick up points on the road, you know, I have a big, uh, I've, I've drawn on my glass door in my office and I have every position, what we're getting goal wise and assist wise out of it and what we're averaging points per game to make the playoffs in this league. You have to average 1.5 points a game over the season, mm. about 50 points. And we're there. We're still there. We're, we're tracking right. on point. Of course, we'd love more than that. And we haven't dropped below that line. So we're going to keep pushing. And, and again, there is no frustration – or there's frustration after the game with the players, but there's no long-term heads down. I mean, if you come to a Monday training, it's like, okay, we put that behind us. We're going to get better this week. Yeah. That's crushing it, which is you know, the mentality you need, in my opinion. So, you know, we've got Bobby Wood arriving soon, Menendez arriving soon. Bobby's in today. Okay, that's right. I heard that. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, you know, we're happy that he was able to have his, his child and – Everything has worked out um, the way it has. News today about the Croatian center back. You know, friends of friends of Demir, so he's out spreading the gospel, <laughs> yeah. right? For RSL, Everton Luis has been training fully the last few days, um, so he'll emerge from the international break. And it seems like suddenly, Freddie's got four or five more bodies to to play with to be a little deeper uh, going into kind of the dog days of summer. And one of the things I think we should talk about are, is the emergence of of an Andrew Brody who's who's come up big, um, obviously called upon 30th minute of the game against Kansas City, changed the game on his first touch. So yeah, um, I mean he he broke the game open right, and you know Brody's my favorite story because Brody's been with us since the academy has done everything we've ever asked of him. Right, you know played in the academy, played with the Monarchs. Was maxing out there. We didn't have a spot for him at that point. Went to Austria to work with Christian Ziege. Got immensely better. Came back and bided his time and, frankly, busted his ass. And when called upon, you know, he's he's come in in same level every game. Hasn't dropped off. And, you know, that's what you like to see coming out of the club. I mean, he's the success story of what we're trying to do development-wise. Yeah. And, you know, and you've seen Freddie's made that decision to reward him by keeping him on the field and switching to the other side. And, and I think that's great too. If you know that if you work your ass off and you can provide a spark, you're going to be rewarded. And Andrew has, and, and he's still, even on the left side, he's provided right. sparks for us. So you've got Andrew, Pablo Ruiz was with him over, uh, with Zige. Um, it's been great to see his newfound lease on life, if you will, as a, as a player. Um, Nick Beesler is somebody that's improved immensely from his time as captain of the Monarchs three years ago. Um, so clearly a lot of these development threads have been working. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's showing that, that these guys can get to a level professionally where they can compete in the MLS and, and provide good work for us. And, and, you know, even in Brody, some special moments, yeah. you know, uh, him driving forward, he has like a magnet on his feet. I don't know, both feet. I yeah, don't understand yeah, yeah. sometimes how he keeps the ball. So yeah, this, this year, 
has been pretty satisfying seeing these guys coming through the programs. And, and look, we have the opportunity for kids like Chris Garcia where he can go down with the Monarchs and get more more work and get more games when maybe he's not coming off the bench as of right now. And we can do it up and down. Right? Yeah. And that's really helpful as well that we can preserve, you know, the contract rights for these younger players, even if they're not quite ready, there's a place for them to play and develop. And then uh, coming from the academy up to the Monarchs, obviously Jeff Dustup, 16-year-old, getting weekly uh, action. Um, you've got Bodie, you've got Farnsworth we've heard a little bit about. I know he's got a decision to make on on Clemson. Uh, but the future looks looks bright. And like we said, the time, five years or so of this pyramid, all kind of coming together, just the last three now under one roof, uh, really seems to be at the precipice of bearing enormous fruit. Yeah, and Hostiel Orozco, who we just signed, yep. 16 years old. That's right. Back. You know, he's been playing for the Monarchs every game starting. Um, so it's really, you know, as you look and we sit with Elliot, Kurt, and Tony, it becomes more of a 18 to 24-month pathway when mm -hmm. you're looking, okay, is there someone available inside? Yes, but they need about 18 to 24 months. Okay, then who do we bring in? How do we structure the contract to allow these guys to come up and hopefully be ready to play? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot more now than I think in, in the last few years, because you're looking at every level when you're doing your your succession planning on your on your um, on your team side for all teams. Yeah. Right? So it becomes pretty complicated. But but again, that's why I'm, I'm very happy that that Kurt's working with Elliot on that, because that seems to be his forte. Sure. So coming out of covid. How how are you guys seeing the international market? Because I would say Bobby Wood, Johnny Menendez, um, the Croatian whose name I keeps escaping me. Tony Dakovic. Thank you. Here here's how you remember it. You know what his nickname is? What? Sicario. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. They, in Spain they gave him that name. Nice. So they'll they'll tweet Sicario with a knife next to him. That's one of my favorite uh movies, uh, by the way. Both one and two, although one's better. Um so you got Sicario, yeah. Johnny Goals, yeah. and obviously Bobby Wood, who needs least introduction out of all three of those guys. I've been told we got to stop with Johnny Goals because we don't want to put pressure on him, but I'll still do it with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I Elliot shared an anecdote about how Johnny Goals came about, and I've been tweeting <laughs> relentlessly ever since. So, um, all right, he can talk to you. But having though that quality come in. Um, again, from an international market that's probably trying to find its footing a little bit coming out of COVID and just providing so much competition and depth for Freddie when the club's got 27, 26 first team games left on the marathon of a schedule uh, has me amped and excited. Yeah, look, and, and I don't know if people understand, like right now we're being managed by the league and we have a very, very tight budget mm. because of that. And uh, the fact that these guys were able to do it within the budget we have is pretty incredible. You know, we had a little celebration last night with the front office at Elliot's, uh, in Elliot's backyard. And uh, we had some pizza and uh, some drinks. Uh, and Very uh, nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, but I, I cheers the guys and said, look, we've never had a winter window where we've gotten every single target. And we did it well. And we did it under budget. You know, Elliot was able to, to manipulate the categories of the players and use gamut. I mean, just, you know, with specialty of being yeah. the, the wizard to get it all in under, under our budget with the league and get better. And, and uh, you know, we want these guys to come in and hit the ground running, obviously have to earn their spots and, and do all that. But we're very excited about the depth we have, especially going in, you know, we had this, this first part of the season with the big gap, 
We have the second. It's a it's a it's a, a split in threes this year. Yeah. And we have the second period of it with a big gap, and then it's running Wednesday, Saturday is tight. So one, we need to be healthy, and then two, we need to have the depth to be able to rotate, but rotate successfully and have the depth to bring on those players that'll be successful, not just playing guys that aren't ready just because we don't have the depth to do it. So yeah. that really was the target for this window: get better, get greater depth. Yeah, one person we haven't talked enough about, um, probably on this show, is is Rubio Rubin. What a find! What a value! Um, I know you guys had extensive conversations with uh, both Rubio. Um, he got the vote of confidence from Landon to come here, um, so I think you guys were hopeful. But how rewarding is it to see just a pristine run of form from him? Yeah, I don't tell. I don't know if I told you about the conversation I had with uh, Warren Smith. Uh, you know, one of San Diego's owners and Landon, they, they called me and, you know, his Landon's question was like, how did you guys know to, to sign Rubio? And we said, well, look, I mean, we're in the USL, we watch the USL, yeah. but we've actually been watching Rubio for a few years, you know, given, you know, he left Portland, he went to Holland, had an injury, went to Mexico. Um, but he kind of had what we were looking for. We haven't had, hadn't had a hold up nine like that for, for quite a bit. Right. Um, but to be fair, we had signed him to be the second because we knew Bobby was coming in. Right. And, you know, we knew Bobby was coming in for a while, um, you know, probably before the public announcement. And, and we're like, okay, we just need to get through these, you know, five games. We think Bobby will come in May or June. And I was talking to Landon. He's like, yeah, he won't be your second. I go, what do you mean? He goes, he's going to blow up the MLS. And, you know, look, it's early days, but yeah. he's done, you know, he's a great teammate. He's a great person and he's a fantastic player and he just has the right attitude. And, you know, for us, yeah, it was a great find value wise, but, uh, you know, he's been super successful being here and he's so integrated in the team already. So yeah, you know, sometimes you get those right. I know it's not your problem. It's Freddie's and, and Pablo's and the staffs, but is there a way to get Rubio, Bobby, Johnny, Albert Anderson, Demir, all on the field together. You know that's the that's the debate we've been having. I hope so. You know, you might see um, a shift in how we set up mm -hmm. to do that. Um, you know, I'll be honest. We've even talked about the diamond. I don't know if we have all the pieces. Yeah. I, um, but you know, you're definitely going to have to go to some model with two forwards. You know, Bobby's got to come in, make sure he's in shape, do all that stuff, so sure. he doesn't get injured. But, you know, I think we've given them the firepower. And look, yeah, there's probably going to be some management uh, that, that the staff have to do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're the coaches. That's what, that's yeah. what they're paid for, right? So, it, Well, what it reminds me of is you look with all these new pieces or people coming off an of injury, you've got what I think every coach wants, which is competition for every slot. You know, three outside backs for two spots, three center backs for two spots, three uh, outside wingers or midfielders, whatever, for a handful of spots. So um, depth up top. I mean, I haven't mentioned Miram or Toya much, but my personal view, and I again, I didn't watch a lot of games in parts of 2019 or 2020, but I feel like those guys are performing at the top of their game in an RSL uniform. Yeah, you could probably skip 20. Okay. Yeah, 19 was good. We finished third. Yeah, last. 19 was yeah, good. But, but 20, you know. 20 was disjointed. If you have time. Okay. But, but I would, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, exactly. And and again, as, as we saw coming into the season, we had to get the best value given our budget, but we had to have competition in each position. And, and you know, again, it's a good problem to have from our seat. 
Yeah. You know, and, and the coaches, that's that's what they got to do is manage it, but get the best performance and the best players on the field. Yeah. And and look, I, I, I think that we've, you know, the pieces we're bringing in, I think, are are more than good enough and make us better. And that's that's what you always want in a window. Um, obviously, there's a lot of chatter around Albert's contribution and performance. Um, he is the highest paid player. He's the captain. Um, my personal view, and I've I've been on some shows and I've I've said this on Twitter that his final pass and shot hasn't been what we expect from him, but he's doing a lot of other things. And and Freddie pointed this out uh, that his work rate um, in areas that a lot of fans don't see has been um, uh, exempl- exemplary. Right. So obviously, I think his body of work dictates some patient, but I also some patience. But I I understand the frustration. And now with Albert not getting called into Slovakia, I think we're gonna we're gonna see his response, right, to all this chatter and criticism. Yeah, look, and, and I think that's right. I mean, Albert's the first guy into the locker room now. He's taking the captaincy very serious. He's pulling young guys out, working with them. He's working his butt off in training, and yeah, they'll come. You know, I, I just think if you have that talent, it comes, and he's he's having. He's having a slump and let's see, let's see what happens when he comes back, you know, but um, for bringing a locker room together after last year, which was rough. I mean, after that Colorado game, it was done. Yeah. I mean, you could just see it to come back, say, forget last year. We're going to, we're going to kill it. Have the performances we had when everybody picked us to finish dead last. Um, And to provide the leadership, it's been pleasantly surprising because um, that's a that's a tough gig to get the captaincy. Um, but you're right; it's it's a performance based business, and we all got to get there. I, I'm interested to see how he comes back as well, and that's mm-hmm. something we need to assess. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the front office can't tell the coach who to play. Sure, right. So, but we'll continue to have our meetings and, and discuss those things. My personal thought is is the dam's going to break. You know, you're, there's a lot of stuff right now where it seems um, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, but that's what the captain has to do. So, so we'll see, you know, and we just have to see how the coaches manage it. You know? Before we get to some of the bigger picture stuff, um, what, are, what are your thoughts, opinions, um, maybe surprises? Uh, what you've seen for six love, games. Well, you know, David, David was with us with the Monarchs, yeah. and I've loved David yeah, for years. Of course, no, he's your guy. Yep. I love the swagger. Of course, no, he's you know, your he's, guy. He's, there's areas he has to mature in his yep. game. But that Dallas game, that shows David Ocho. Sure. He got shelled sure. and, and managed it. You know, he's yep. got that cornerback mentality. He doesn't remember the last play, right. which is which is great. <laughs> and, you know, right. I – I love David, and I think, you know, we've been looking for that next goalkeeper, and I think he's it. You know, Nacho's doing a good job of developing him. He'll continue to yeah. develop. Um, but I love the kid. I think he's great. And I, I like a little bit of the drama, too. Sure. Like, you know, oh, if, if we're, if we're sure. the heel oh, MLS in the wrestling uh, vernacular, great. You know, yeah. um, you know yeah. we got to get back to yeah. locking down home, right? People have to be afraid to play us, you know, and – even though we've dropped points, right. they've been grinders where, yeah. where people are pretty exhausted after the game. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, we used to be locked down. People were afraid to come here to play. We need to get back to that. Well, and the other thing that goes through my mind when I'm seeing some of these new attacking options that Freddie's going to have, 
the last few home games, yeah. people come in and they put 11 behind the ball. And even in our heyday, it's hard to break down. You're waiting on one individual to make one special play. And then the dam breaks, as you just said. Uh, yeah, look, but now we have Anderson, Alvin, so. who's, who hauls yeah. ass. Um, you know, we're going to yep. have some other options. Miro's been coming in and doing very well. Uh, Dami's been Dami, you know, as we saw in the last game. They just magically appear from somewhere, those goals. So I think we're going to have options. You know, it, it's I know people have been frustrating where they're like, well, we're possession-based. It should be free-flowing. But people have been parking the bus. So a lot of times it's been a counterattack opportunity because right. <laughs> finally they're out of, out of their third, right? right? Sure. But again, it's getting out first one or two sure. so the game opens up and allows us to do our thing. Um, you know, if, if you saw our first two games that happened, right? We got a couple yep. goals, everything opened up, and then we, we really took off. Yep. So. You're right, and the strategy for each team is completely yeah. different. And we can have our style and what we do, but we also have to be pragmatic against what we're playing against. There's no time for pragmatism. Yeah, well, there, there absolutely no is. You know, and I told the guys, I said, listen, this is an entertainment <laughs> business. We have to be entertaining. But at the end of the day, I don't care how we get into the playoffs. We can have the ugliest game ever. We just need to make the yeah. playoffs this year. That's the mandate. Yeah, and so getting back to Ochoa, um, I think it's great that he got that taste um, and he might even get another uh, with the U S hopefully maybe June 9th against Costa Rica for him to, to, to wear that U S crest in this building would be fantastic. Um, but I selfishly am glad he's not in the gold cup squad that he's going to you know, not it's miss funny, five it's, or six. I had a conversation or with uh, a couple guys about this and they were asking about, you know, Aren't you excited when the guys leave for national call-ups? And the fan of me is, yeah. but the RSL guy is not. Yeah. You know, I, I get it, and it's wonderful, and it shows that we get players that can go. But at the end of the day, we want to win our games. So I'm always, I'm always conflicted about that, yeah, sure. right? And, and, I, and I understand the value of it, but sure. you know, putting just the RSL hat on, you're like, yeah, I don't want you to go to that game. Well, it's funny. It's something, and Spencer Checkets talks about this a lot on his show, but novice soccer fans or when you're becoming a fan of rsl or a club that's that's the most um oh what's the word i'm looking for it's the most uh incongruous thing out there that the guy you're paying is going to miss your games and yes it's an honor to go represent his country or our country or whatever her country but you just you want to get selfish about it 100 percent. yeah so yeah. What's what's uh, since we last talked, Nick Ramondo has yeah. uh, defined a role with you guys with the organization working with Achoa and the other keepers. How's that going? It's great. You know, it's it's very similar to what I, I've seen when we've gone to Europe, and you know, they have the pure club ambassador role, which isn't quite what Nick's doing. He's 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 too smart and too well known for that. Mm. But you know, he's helping with the academy two three days a week. You know, working with Mirza and really working with young keepers. We have a pipeline of keepers right now that's pretty insane. It's about five deep. Like, wow. If we sign another keeper outside of the club, I'm going to kick somebody. <laughs> um, but he's also working with uh, Mary a lot you yep. know, with the community, which he's always been great at. He's now working with sponsorship and ticketing on some of their initiatives. So, you know, we have to bring those guys back in and, and, and continue to let them contribute to what made this club great. So it's been awesome. Nick's been fantastic with everything. And the, the kids love when he comes by the academy, you know. He'll yeah, talk. of course. And uh, it's it's been great, you know, and then – now with the Bex over at UVU, we're keeping yep. the guys around, and yeah, um, it's been fantastic. 
Did Sabo stop by your office yeah, when he was he out in the Harriman last week? It's funny because he was. Uh, I saw someone walking with Lav, and he had a mask on, and I was like, "Is that, is that Sabo?" I go, "That is Sabo. He hasn't aged a day." Yeah. So you expect him to look older, and then yeah, I, I caught up with him and he watched training, and uh, it's pretty great to have him walking. That around. is awesome. Yeah. I mean, he is the most clutch goal scorer in RSL history, and yeah, uh, yeah he's looked like he he had a good time hanging out with Alave yeah. and. And seeing everybody down there in Harriman. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome to have him back. Um, big picture, what are some of the, you know, six, 12-month kind of plans you're working on for the pyramid outside of uh, what we get to see week in, week out? Yeah, right now, I'll just I'll just go up the group. Academy-wise, it's recruit, recruit, recruit right now. I, as I say, like, if you're going to make steel, you need to have the best raw materials yeah. so really sending the guys out right now going to tournaments scouting you know it's tough because we have homegrown territories those are you know yep and they're getting more and more with the the expansion but finding those areas that you can go into it's actually we're getting to a point where we're actually starting to work with other clubs on movement within uh academy kids you know okay. coming up with agreements to have a kid come here but okay. we'll let a kid go there because he doesn't quite fit what we're trying to do sure which is really kind of open that up a little more so it's not just like these steel walls right yeah it's a tear. big evolution yeah. yeah and then uh you know really dialing up the coaching staff uh we've got good coaches now we probably need to add a couple mm -hmm. uh we're working on that is this arnold staff that's yeah. out recruiting yeah okay. yeah we sent six of them uh to san diego last week uh, and, and, you know, adding, uh, another scout or two and some stipended scouts to the Academy just to mm -hmm. get deeper there. Um, and then just preparing for, for this next MLS next season and, and having Cody working with those guys on developing the best talent, you know, we've continued to work with, uh, Riley Jensen's group on mental performance. Sure. So that's become integral and, mm -hmm. and we now have, uh, testing modalities for that and how we track that and, and building pros. Uh, really, you know, where everything else is, is linear, really pulling sports performance tightly into that, even down to the academy on tracking and testing, yeah. even down to our affiliates at a younger age, 11, 12, yeah. um, and tracking those kids. And then either this year or next year, we're gonna have a big jamboree where we bring all the affiliates in, uh, and we'll start at age 11 up and, and have oh, wow. play academy so we can start getting them on the ground and, yeah. and having them see what's going on here. Continuing to emphasize uh, not just our presence, but our rights in Arizona, mm -hmm. you know, with Phoenix Rising coming in, sure. and Grande, you know, they're, they're part of MLS Next. We still have to have super priority. That's our territory. Yeah. You know, and uh, so really getting that base better and tracking at a younger age, um, you know, and then we'll continue to do what we're doing here, having local kids in once a week to continue to teach RSL way and, and development there. We do have an opportunity coming up uh, in August. It's going to be a, a partnership with PSV Eindhoven out of Holland. Okay. Uh, this won't just be soccer. It's kind of a global holistic uh, arrangement we're working with. They're, they're from the Silicon Valley of Holland. They're really into Silicon Slopes here. Okay. They're going to bring a couple partners out to meet with corporate. Uh, you know, we're going to have a uh, elite training uh, camp for the elite kids, both in Utah and in our affiliates. Uh, some coaching clinics with both our coaches and then just some some uh, powwows amongst the front office and, yeah. and how we can do stuff better and, and what's going on there, which I think is a big step. I mean, I think you see some clubs in the U.S. like partnering, but I don't know, you know, like Dallas, I, I don't know how true of a partnership that is with Bayern be sure. beyond just a, a player pathway, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, but this would be kind of both ways. We'd help them with some of the stuff we're doing that's advanced of what they're doing. They'd help us with stuff and just kind of 
kind of beat up ideas and see what's best practices. Yeah. So we're doing that August 16th and an announcement will come out of that. And yeah, for the Academy, I think those are kind of the big pieces. Monarchs, it's really getting that flow up and down, even from the Academy and getting Academy kids minutes who we think have an opportunity to be pros, having young internationals coming in to see if we can get a look at them for a year to decide if they're ready to sign at the mm -hmm. first team and then just getting minutes you know, for, for the younger guys or bottom of the roster guys. And now that's been a little bit difficult with COVID and MLS protocols. Sure. Um, but continuing that movement where it's just a conglomeration of development, you know, and look, we'd love to win another championship in that league, but there's also the, the reality that we need to get players games. Now, we don't want to be like some other MLS2 teams where it, it was just throw the kids down and yeah. there's no development. We really need that development staff with Alave and his group. Is it safe to assume for now, understanding that it could change in a year or two, that RSL would have the Monarchs remain in USL championship and then have a, a youth team in MLS next? We'll have to or see. We'll see. Yeah, okay. we'll see on that. Um, uh, you, we're going to have to see what the competition looks like. Okay. You know, um, while it's nice being in the USL, you basically have two masters league-wide. Okay. Right? They're completely separated, which sometimes they conflict. Yeah. However, the competition's fantastic, right? But if we if MLS, the, it's the new MLS division, two, two group or whatever they're doing there, could be more linear for us, mm -hmm. it becomes better on the development pathway. I see. But the competition has to be there. So so right now we're, we're sitting back You're and just saying, evaluating. Exactly, evaluating which what's going to be the best way. You know, on the other hand, we've done everything you can do in the USL as well. I mean, we won right. the Supporter Shield, we won the championship, we set the record for player sales, we have the most players signed a professional contract. So it's been good for us uh, that way. It's just all about the development pathway I mean, at the end of the day. Could you have imagined when you helped start the Monarchs six years ago, the growth of that league? Because, I mean, I look at the crowds in Albuquerque or what Sacramento's doing and, and some of these other... Louisville, obviously. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think it's pretty amazing how far USL has brought the sport at a wider level than MLS in a very short period of time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what they, at, at one point, there were near 40 teams. I know there's a contraction with COVID, um, but they've done a great job, and, and they've thought of some things outside the box, specifically how they do broadcast, which was mm -hmm. pure digital to start, which, right. which was aggressive, but yep. it's worked out well for them. They do have markets that... They are the sole sports product, which has been great for uh, attendance. Um, yeah, it's it's been a, a very good product, and again for us, it's it's been fantastic both for silverware and and for development along the way. I mean, yeah. Nick Beasler, as you said, is is sure the you know kind of the shining star to come out of our program, and that's not taking off that against anybody. We've had several. We had Douglas. We have yeah. Chang. You know, um, but it's been very uh, good for us on building players that can play on the field and hold their own MLS. We touched on Ramondo. Uh, obviously, I think everybody's excited for Beckerman to be running the state's only Division One um, NCAA outfit. But Tony Beltran's been with the club in a front office capacity for just under eighteen months. It looks like. Um, obviously, he is charged with a lot of different. Um, I'll say tasks that kind of bridge the soccer the business and certainly the culture side. We've, we've talked to Tony uh, several times in the last few months about the RSL way, et cetera, et cetera. 
what's your impression of, of his evolution off the field? It's funny. We were talking about this uh, last night and, you know, Tony's so polite and such a gentleman. He, uh, he was thanking us for the opportunity. And I said, well, Tony, you've come in and killed it. And, you know, so Tony now is in charge of uh, asset management and oversight of the academy. And uh, as GM of the Monarchs, as part of his assistant GM role, just to give him a slice of both sides, the operations side and the GM side. And he's absolutely killed it. And, you know, he puts everything, you know, how he played on the field is how he is in the office. He puts everything into what he yeah. does. Uh, he's grown faster than I could have hoped, you know. And, uh, you know, and then he's also involved in, in the player selection and how we sit and talk about uh, potential signings and what we're going to do. And his, his input's invaluable. And he can also give us some insight into a locker room, mm. you know, because we interview everybody we sign. And uh, we, before we'd fly out there, now COVID, Zoom calls. Yeah. But he'll he'll listen for how he thinks the fit's going to be, which which becomes important, especially in our market. You know, I think I've told this story before. I mean, the thing with Tony coming in, uh, Dakovich, Tony has a, a young child and his wife's pregnant. He's a family guy. He's a locker room guy. Well, that becomes important in Salt Lake. And, you know, I remember, and I don't know if I've told the story before, but I remember... We went to Holland to interview a winger about four years ago, and all the guy could talk about was how close we are to Vegas. <laughs> and, you know, like immediately that's not yeah. going to fit the market yeah. um, and fit the team. So there, there's those pieces that are kind of the ephemeral pieces that maybe people don't think about that become important in put, putting together a roster. And Tony's been really good at, at that. And, and, again, you know, he's he's got the respect from his career, but not just how he played, but his mentality and his work ethic. And yeah. that's just – that's come over – onto the front office side in spades. And he's, you know, like I said, we have a good group, but Tony's invaluable. Yeah, 100%. Tony is easily one of the best humans I've ever been around. And and I'm sure there's 50 other people that would say the same thing at yeah. least. So, um, you know, one of the things I've been very impressed with this year as well is the conviction and forthrightness that's not a word <laughs> that uh that freddie has presented publicly and I, I i've commented on this from preseason in tucson to some of his post-game sessions where um and the fans don't always love it and don't always agree which is okay but i feel like freddie has gone back to probably the Jason Kreiss era of allowing fans and media into his thought process a little more. And, and that's, a, I, I guess I commend him because it's, it's allowing himself to be a little vulnerable and admitting maybe a mistake or a misstep here or there, and just being a little more available to be criticized. But you know, we didn't have that under Kassar or Pecky, just in terms of that window into all the factors. Because, you know, fans see what happens in the 90 minutes, and it becomes very myopic. And when you have a coach or yourself or Elliot or Tony or John Kimball that have taken advantage of the opportunities to kind of share the a larger set of circumstances, maybe not every detail, but certainly the landscape with the fan base is, um, for me, it, it harkens back to our roots. And so it's encouraging to see that, that side. Yeah. Look, I think the, the biggest strength and, and the thing that Fred's done the best this last off season was to have a plan. 
you know, and this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And like any plan, curveballs happen and you can adjust off that. But one of the things that's so great with the staff in the locker room is they know where we're going and they know mm-hmm. what the plan is and they know how we're going to get there. Yeah. But I like that Fred's willing to admit that like, hey, this was a plan that didn't work or you know what, maybe I should have done this, but next time we'll get it and to yeah. talk to the players that way. You know, and you know, everybody wants to know their leader, leader has a plan and where they're going to go. But they also need to know that you maybe – not a mistake, but it didn't go the way you, you thought it was going to be, but now this is how we're going to get there to buy in. And like I said, the buy-in has been incredible. And, and have again, have we dropped points? Absolutely. Do I wish we had those back? Absolutely. But the train's still moving, and, yeah. and we're still going where we plan to go and how we plan to get there. And, you know, there's been some bumps on the track and, and maybe some small animals we've had to run over. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm – pretty happy in our position now the other thing is you know what the great thing about being a fan is here or anywhere you get to have an opinion yeah and we absolutely respect those opinions but with that said we you know even the front office we can't always look at those opinions and make decisions based on those opinions we have to do what we think is best and you'll succeed or you won't um so i appreciate the the opinions from the fans because it means they love the team and they're passionate about it um but they're also not seeing about 90 percent of everything that's going on yeah so do I expect us to to get better about dropping points or giving up goals at, at, towards the end of the game? 100%. Are we working on those things? 100%. Have we brought in pieces that we think we can help with that and give us depth? So when we want to make substitutions, we're getting better. Yes, and that's not denigrating anybody on the team right now, but as we start getting to these Wednesday-Saturday games, we need a rotation. Sure. And that's what we're trying to do. So I agree, and, and you know – Fred's advancing and moving forward. He's got the guys fired up. He's got the coaches fired up. And, you know, looking at last year to this year, it's been a 180. Yeah. I guess what I, what I imagine is that even when you, Elliot, Tony, Kurt, Luke, Freddie, Homison, Matt, Pablo, Nacho, when you guys all get in a room and, and talk about what you've seen or who's doing what, whether it's in a game, in a practice, the plan going forward, I imagine there's a lot of varied opinions there. Yeah, but of It's course, not monolithic. No, but you need that. You know, like the thing I like about the front office, and I'll go to the coaching staff, is everybody's allowed to have an opinion, and we don't always agree. And you know Elliot. He, doesn't, he disagrees with everybody. But that's <laughs> great because it makes you adjust your thought process monolithic thinking or group think is not helpful to anybody. Right. And I don't think it's the sign of a healthy environment if you have that. So yeah. And, and the great thing about both of the coaches is they allow their staff to have an opinion. That doesn't mean when they come to us or we have a large meeting, they're not as a group about that opinion. Yeah, sure. But that's a successful way to manage because if you think your idea is the right way all the time, you're going to fail. And, yeah. and, uh, I think they've been very good. Fred, especially. I mean, look, you, you have to respect opinions that Matt and Pablo have. I mean, Pablo's what he's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Matt played in Europe for what eight years. I mean, you don't do right. that if you're not good. And and you know, I think the challenges Fred has um, because I sat with him are I've given him a Sisyphean task. You have to play attacking football. You have to make the playoffs and you have to develop players. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. They, they don't all line up, yep. but that's what we have to be as Real Salt Lake. 
So, and, and he's managing it and doing well and, yeah. and, you know, giving the guys a chance to see. And, you know, I just hope that, that what we saw on signing is what we get on the field with these th three guys. Yeah. I think we will, but I could be wrong. Um, and just to provide him the help he needs to, to kill it. And, and again, like we've gone through so many opinions of the outside, you know, last time, everything, last year, everything's falling apart. Going into this year, I think MLS soccer picked us to finish dead yep. last, yep. which was great. Bolton board fodder. Sure. Right. And now I think we've shown a spark and I get frustration where we shouldn't drop points at home, but the buildup to the rest of the season has been positive. Yeah. As you said, it's a long, long season. And, you know, there's going to be clubs that were in Champions League that starts that start picking up injuries after this second phase, right? And can we keep the injuries low and do we have the depth? And and we'll see how the rest of the teams do in the West on that, yeah. right? But that's our plan. It's a build up and keep the train rolling. Well, great stuff, man. I appreciate the update as always. Um, love your 30,000 foot uh, perspective on things. And uh, can't wait to, to get into the summer. And uh, we'll catch up with you again in the next uh, international window. Oh, great, man. Can I ask you a, a personal question? Of course. Is that a mullet you're growing right now? It is a mullet. It's yeah. very attractive. Yeah, thank you. How's the Camaro outside? That's <laughs> a Trans Am. <laughs> oh, tra okay. That's, that's Billy. All right, Trey, thank you as usual. Smokey and the Bandit reenactments <laughs> take place at 4, 6, and 8 every third Tuesday. All right, dude. Thanks. I'll, I look forward to coming back. Awesome. Good stuff, Rob. <laughs>